Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Simple IB Biology Podcast and I welcome you to episode 6.5. Today we are talking and explaining the topic neurons and synapses. Now, before we start, I would like to ask some questions which you have to answer them at the end of this episode. So don't forget to write them down right now. Now, my first question is this, define what's a nerve impulse. Second question is, what is an action potential? Third question, what is refractory period? And the fourth question, in which direction is nerve impulse propagated? Now you wrote down these questions. Well, let's move on with the first, with our first part, which is introducing the concept of neurons and synapses. So when we're going to start this, we're going to talk about what is a nervous system. Nervous system consists of nerve cells called neurons, which forms an intricate network of 85 billion cells. This communication is thanks to an electrical signal called a nerve impulse. Neurons are specialized cells that function to transmit electrical impulses within the nervous system. The nervous system converts sensory information into electrical impulses in order to rapidly detect and respond to stimuli. While neurons may differ according to role of their sensory or their motor or their relay, most of them share three basic components, dendrites, axon, and soma. I don't know if I'm pronouncing them right, but this is as far as I know. So they were dendrites, axon, and soma. Now, what are dendrites? Dendrites are short branched fibers that convert chemical information from other neurons or receptor cells into electrical sites. Axon is an elongated fiber that transmits electrical signals to terminal regions for communication with other neurons or effectors. As soma is a cell body containing the nucleus and the organelles where essential metabolic processes occur to maintain the cell survival. But with some neurons, the axon may be surrounded by an insulating layer known as a myelin sheath. The myelin sheath improves the conduction speed of electrical impulses along the axon but requires additional space and energy. One thing not to forget, neurons transmit electrical impulses, not chemical. So, have you understood the concept of neurons and are you ready for the resting potential? Well, if you are, let's get on. So, neurons generate and conduct electrical signals by pumping positively charged ions, which are potassium ions and uh, sodium ions across their membrane. So the unequal distribution of ions on different sides of the membrane creates a charge difference called the membrane potential. Again, what is the membrane potential? It's the unequal distribution of ions on different sides of the membrane which creates a charge difference. So a charge difference between different sides of the membrane, between inside and outside of the membrane. A resting potential is the difference in charge across the membrane when a neuron is not firing. So, membrane potential is a charge difference between inside and outside of the membrane, but resting potential is a difference in charge across the membrane when neuron is not working or firing. In a typical resting potential, the inside of the neuron is more negative relative to the outside, which is approximately negative 70 millivolts. The maintenance of a resting potential is an active process, for example, ATP dependent, which that is controlled by sodium-potassium pumps. Now, the sodium-potassium pump is a transmembrane protein that actively exchanges sodium and potassium ions. It expels three sodium ions for every two potassium ions admitted, admitted, which additionally some potassium ions would then leak back out of the cell. This creates an electrochemical gradient whereby 
the uh, cell interior is relatively negative compared to the extracellular environment as there are more positively charged ions outside of the cell and more negatively charged ions inside the cell. So the exchange of sodium and potassium ions required the hydrolysis of ATP, which is an energy-dependent process. So if you want, you can listen back again and listen step-by-step step about what happened. Hopefully, if you understood the resting potential and its function, we can move on to actual potential. However, if you just didn't, go back and listen again. And if I and if again you couldn't understand, you can submit feedback and ask your question if there was a problem. So let's go continue with an action potential. Now, an action potential consists of depolarization and repolarization. Let's begin. With action potential are the rapid changes in charge across the membrane that occur when a neuron is firing. Action potentials occur in three main stages, depolarization, repolarization, and a refractory period. So first we want to start with the depolarization in our action potential. Depolarization refers to sudden change in membrane potential, where it is usually from a relatively negative to positive internal charge. Let's say from negative 55 millivolts, which was a resting potential, to 40 millivolts, which would be the depolarization. The cell is depolarized. Now, during depolarization, the stimulation changes the membrane potential, opening the sodium ion channels, allowing the sodium ions rushing inside the neuron down their gradient concentration, where the potassium channel remains closed. This makes the inside more positive compared to outside. When the impulse reaches the peak action potential, the repolarization phase begins. What is repolarization now? Repolarization is the restoration of a membrane potential following the depolarization or restoring a negative internal charge. Now, rapidly after depolarization, the sodium ion channels close and the potassium ion channel open, causing potassium ion to rush out of the cell. Restoring a negative membrane potential, the potassium channel remains open until the membrane falls to potential close to negative 17 millivolts. However, the concentrations gradient of sodium and potassium ions have not yet been reestablished. This takes a few milliseconds and the neuron can then transmit another nerve impulse until it reestablishes its concentration gradient. Then we're going to explain about our third uh, figure, our third stage of our action potential, which is refractory period. It's brief period of time which the potassium channels are activated while the sodium channels are inactivated, which ensures that the impulse goes in one direction along the axon. The nerve impulse is always transmitted as a wave of depolarization with one portion of the fiber repolarizing as the next region depolarizes. Before we move on, I have a question. Do you remember before we started, I asked you to write down questions I asked? For example, you remember the questions. One of them was define what's a nerve impulse. You remember them. Well, how many of them could you answer now? If you could answer, anyway, go back and listen to answer them before we move on to the nerve impulses because they're important. Now, nerve impulses are action potentials that move along the length of an axon as a wave of a depolarization. Depolarization occurs when ion channels open and cause a change in the membrane potential. The ion channels that occupy the length of axon are voltage-gated, which means they open in response to changes in the membrane potential. So, depolarization at one point of the axon triggers the opening of ion channels in the next segment of the axon which this causes depolarization to spread along the length of the axon as an unidirectional wave. Nerve impulse happens because the ion's movement of one part of the neuron triggers the depolarization in the neighboring part of the neuron. In most vertebrates and human nerve impulses, 
moves in one direction, in forward direction, as you might know. Starting at one end of the neuron and propagated along the axon to the other end, neuron where it's transmitted to another neuron or a different kind of cell. Action potentials are generated within the axon according to the all or nothing principle. Now, what's all or nothing principle? We're gonna explain it step by step. An action potential of the same magnitude will always occur provided a minimum electrical stimulus which is generated. Now this minimum stimulus, known as a threshold potential, which is negative 55 millivolts, is the level required to open voltage-gated ion channels. What's the threshold potential? Or let's say threshold potential? I don't know about that. Well, threshold potential is the level required to open the voltage-gated ion channels. If the threshold potential is not reached, an action potential cannot be generated, and the neuron will not, of course, fire. Threshold potentials are triggered when the combined stimulation from the dendrites exceed a minimum level of depolarization. Now, if the overall depolarization from dendrites is sufficient to activate voltage-gated ion channels in one section of the axon, the resulting displacement of ions should be sufficient to trigger the activation of voltage-gated ion channels in the next axon section. Depolarization, remember, only happens when the voltage-gated and sodium channels are open, which happens when the threshold potential is reached, or negative 55 millivolts, which is our threshold potential. If the amount of neurotransmitter released to the synaptic cleft is not enough to cause the threshold potential in the postsynaptic cell, the cell does not depolarize. In, in consequence, the sodium-potassium pump starts working and restores the resting potential. Well, if there is not enough transmitters, the polarization doesn't take place, attritional potential doesn't take place, and the one responsible is sodium-potassium pump. Now, we are going to talk about oscilloscopes. Oscilloscopes are scientific instruments that are used to measure the membrane potential across a neuronal membrane, which data is displayed as a graph with times in milliseconds on the x-axis and the membrane potential in millivolts on the y-axis. So I don't think this is really useful, but it was important because it's part of the syllabus. A typical action potential will last for roughly three to five milliseconds and contain four key stages. This is not three or to five seconds, it's milliseconds. Right now when we are talking, maybe there are more than tens of, tens of action potential happening. So the action potential contains four key stages, resting potential, depolarization, Repolarization and refractory period, as we are saying them again, so for you to can understand. Before action potential occurs, the neuron should be in a state of rest, which is approximately negative 70 millivolts. And that is the resting potential, as we said before. Then depolarization is a rising spike, which is corresponds to the depolarization of the membrane via sodium influx up to roughly 30 millivolts. Which sodium influx means the rush of sodium ions into the membrane. Then it is repolarization, which is a falling spike corresponding to the repolarization via potassium efflux, which the potassium efflux means the getting out or rushing out of the potassium from the membrane, which that makes the cell to go in negative 80 millivolts, our action potential reaching negative 80 millivolts during repolarization. Refractory period, on the other hand, is the trace which returns to the level of the resting potential due to the action of the sodium potassium pump. An action potential will only occur if the initial depolarization exceeds the threshold potential of approximately negative 55 millivolts. So if our action potential doesn't reach negative 55 millivolts or its uh, potential threshold potential, it cannot happen. It won't occur. 
Now, in certain neurons, the axon may be covered by a fatty white substance called the myelin, which functions as an insulating layer. Myelin is a mixture of protein and phospholipids that is produced by glial cells, or they are called Schwann cells. The main purpose of the myelin sheet is to increase the speed of electrical transmissions via saltatory conduction. Now, along on myelinated neurons, action potential propagates subsequently along the axon in a continuous wave of depolarization. In myelinated neurons, the action potentials hop between the gaps in the myelin sheet called the nodes of Rambier. This results in an increase in the speed of electrical conduction by a factor of up to 100 fold. Now myelination, myelination not on neurons with the nervous system or insulated with a myelin sheath. The advantage of myelination is that it improves the speed of electrical transmission via saltatory conduction. The disadvantage of myelination is that it takes up significant space within an enclosed environment. Regions of the nervous system composed of myelinated axon tracts appears as white matter. All other areas appear as gray matter. Now, gray matter consists of neural cell bodies and dendrites, as well as support gels or glial cells and synapses. Nerves transmit electrical impulses by changing the ionic distribution across the neuronal membrane or a membrane potential. So, therefore, electrical signals are not able to be conducted when a semi-permeable membrane is absent. Synapses, however, are physical gaps that separate neurons from other cells, or is a gap between the receptor or effector cell if you know, between the presynaptic and postsynaptic uh, cells. So, chemical transfer across synapses. When an action potential, we talked about electrical before, now we are talking about chemical. When an action potential reaches the axon terminal, it triggers the opening of voltage-gated calcium channels. Calcium ions diffuse into the cell and promote the fusion of vesicles, which contain trans neurotransmitters with the cell membrane. The neurotransmitters are released from the axon terminal by exocytosis, and cross the synaptic cleft. Neurotransmitters then bind to specific receptors on the postsynaptic membrane and open a ligand-gated ion channels. The opening of ion channels generates an electrical impulse in the postsynaptic neuron, which propagates the presynaptic signal. The neurotransmitter released into the synapse are either recycled or degraded. So let's review the stages again. Stages again. The first stage, action potential, arrives at axon terminal. Second stage, voltage-gated calcium channels open. Third stage, calcium ions enters the presynaptic neuron. Fourth stage, calcium signals to the neurotransmitter vesicles. Then vesicles move to the membrane and dock, and the neurotransmitters released via exocytosis, and then neurotransmitters bind to the receptors, and at the end, signal initiated in postsynaptic cell. Neurotransmitters are chemical messengers released from neurons and functions to transmit signals across the synaptic cleft. One example of neurotransmitter used by both the central nervous system and peripheral nervous system is acetylcholine, which it is commonly released at neuromuscular junctions and binds to receptors of muscle fibers to trigger muscle contraction. It is also commonly released within the automatic nervous system to promote parasympathetic response for the rest and digest. Acetylcholine is created in the axon terminal by combining choline with an acetyl group. Acetylcholine is stored in vesicles within the axon terminal until released via exocytosis in response to a nerve impulse. Acetylcholine activates a postsynaptic cell by binding to one of the two classes of specific receptors. Now, of course, this must be continually removed from the synapse as overstimulation can lead to fatal con convulsions and paralysis. 
Acetylcholine is broken down into two components parts by synaptic enzyme acetylcholinesterase, which is either released into the synapse from presynaptic neuron or embedded on the membrane of the postsynaptic cell. So blocking of synaptic transmission at cholinergic synapses is in insects by binding of new neonicotinoid prestigates to acetylcholine receptors. Now, what are neonicotinoid? Okay, neonicotinoid. Okay, I'm wrong about that. Neonicotinoid pesticides are able to re irreversibly bind to nicotinic acetylcholine receptors and trigger a sustained response. Neonicotinoid pesticides cannot be broken down by acetylcholinesterase, resulting in permanent overstimulation of target cells. I think I'm going to die by memorizing these words, but whatever. So while no activation of acetylcholine receptors promotes nerve signaling, Overstimulation results in fatal convulsions and paralysis. Now, insects have a different composition of acetylcholine, which bind to neonicotinoids much more strongly. So think neonicotinoids are significantly more toxic to insect insects than mammals, making them a highly effective pesticide. While neonicotinoids have been successfully used to protect crops from pest species, they are disadvantaged to their uses. Neonicotinoid use has been linked to reduction in honeybee populations, and their use has been also linked to reduction in bird population. Let's talk in our last phase about the neurotransmitters and nerve impulse again. So a nerve impulse is always initiated if a threshold potential is reached. A nerve impulse is only uh, works, we have two types of nerve impulse while it reaches the threshold potential. We have excitatory neurotransmitters and inhibitory transmitters. The excitatory or noradrenaline cause depolarization by opening ligand gated sodium or calcium channels. But in inhibitory neurotransmitters, they cause hyperpolarization by opening ligand gated potassium or chloride channels. The combined action of all trans neurotransmitters acting on a target neuron determines whether threshold potential is reached or if overall there is more depolarization than hyperpolarization and a threshold potential is reached, the neuron will fire. If there is more hyperpolarization than depolarization and a threshold potential is not reached, the neuron will be not fired. For a typical neuron, the threshold potential required to open voltage-gated ion channel is approximately negative 55 millivolts. Now, ladies and gentlemen, of course, that's the end of this episode, Unit 6.5 Neurons and Synapse. I'm sorry about misunderstanding some of the words, for example, oscilloscope, okay, something like that. And these words, if you had any problem with understanding them, Please send me feedback and don't forget to answer the four questions I provided at the first. I'm going to tell you the questions again before you forget. First one, define what's a nerve impulse. Second one, what is an action potential? Third one, what, what is a refractory period, period? And at last, it was in which direction is nerve impulse propagated? This was 6.5 and I will see you guys in 6.6. .6.